Hi, this is Wendy Blackheart from HeartfulOfBlack.com. This Massacast is for adults only, so if you're not old enough, please go somewhere else. The Massacast is supported by listeners like you. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, then go to Massacast.com and click on Donate, because unlike my fist, money doesn't come out of our asses. Thank you. Hello, and thanks for downloading another episode. You know, as I, as I record this, it is a very rainy, gray day in New York City. But it's much better than a snowy day in New York City. Soon enough, we'll be able to go and uh, hang out in Central Park, uh, which is awesome. Now that uh, Saad and I live fairly close to Central Park, we can go there and, you know, after work, we'll just go for a, a nice stroll. Um, and who knows, maybe this year I'll finally get uh, to live my dream of, of having a scene in New York. There's, to, there's so many places you can hide out. And, there, you know, sometimes we've got, been going for a walk and I thought, that would be a great place to, you know, fool around. I don't, what, I don't even know what the rules are regarding uh, public sex in Central Park. I'm sure someone's done it. There's got to, that, that's my blog search. I've got to do a blog search for it. Thanks to the podcast sponsor, Eden Fantasies. Go to EdenFantasies.com and browse their huge selection of awesome products. Right now, they've got their Celebrate Earth Day. Greener Pleasure with Rechargeable Vibrators saves 25% on rechargeable vibrators. And let me tell you something. It sounds like no big deal, right? But there's two things. One, it's better for the environment, theoretically, if you have a rechargeable vibrator. But also, if you're in the heat of the moment and you, you, know, you think, oh, man, quick, grab the fill-in-the-blank battery-operated toy, and then the batteries are dead. Then you've got to walk around looking for some Everettis, which kind of defeats the name there, right? Good luck. Well, why not get a rechargeable one? We've got several rechargeable ones, and they work very, very well. 25% off right now at Eden Fantasies. While you're there, enter EFCAST, E-F-C-A-S-T, and you'll receive uh, 20% off your order. This episode, someone who I've known for a couple of years, and I've been asking him to come on the show, and you know, we're just kind of like never really connected, uh, like, oh, hey, let's do this episode, and yeah, sure, and then he's busy, and or I'm busy, but finally he got to sit down. Uh, it's Jack from the blog Writing Dirty. He also started a, a podcast recently called Techuality. And I asked him, you know, what uh, what prompted you to start writing erotica that you'd publish on the web? I've actually been blogging since there was blogging. Yeah. Like, I, I've been blogging on and off for probably, I think I calculated it's about 12 years. So you were blogging before blogging was cool. Right. I mean, um, GeoCities, Diaryland, <laughs> LiveJournal blogger, everything. And then I had a, uh, a live journal that got pretty popular for a while. You know, I had like a, like a thousand readers or so, which for a live journal is, is a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I w- was going through a breakup with somebody I'd been dating for a long time, um, you know, like six years. And I started dating a lot and I started writing more explicitly. And some people were like, hey, Little, little too much, and so I, I decided to first, you know, put like secure posts. So I would put everything behind sort of a wall, mm-hmm. and then I thought, well, this is kind of way better than the writing I normally do. Why am I hiding it? So I, I decided to start a web page, and I started a blogger account very briefly called, <laughs> called Rough Words, <laughs> and um, ladies, yes, and. That I didn't, I didn't want to be with another company, you know, not having total access. I'm a nerd, so right. I wanted total access to everything. So I bought my own uh, URL, writing dirty, and then I, I, you know, set up WordPress, and there you go. There you go. Um, you, you, but you said you, you, you thought that your erotica was better than the stuff you would normally write. Yeah, I mean, well, I think because it was more focused. You know, when, when you're blogging. Just in general, it, it can be sort of meandering, and you know, I I had toast sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And are you talking about my Twitter feed? <laughs> are you um, making fun of my Twitter feed? Hey, my Twitter feed will go you know head to head with <laughs> banality. Um, it started with because my blog now is not particularly bloggy; it's just stories. Mm-hmm. So I realized what I started writing. Well, for a lot of reasons, because I, I I didn't want to be as honest because um, I was dating. A lot of people mm-hmm. and I was dating around and and I was started meeting people through this yeah so I didn't want to talk about anybody out of turn I didn't want to talk about one person and make another person jealous so you know I started fictionalizing things 
in different ways and combining things and waiting a while before posting things and everything sort of turned more more into story so now it's more of just a story site uh i did the same thing when i was writing a blog i may still have it but i really don't do that much but i would find that you know something would happen you'd write about it and then you'd have to wait right Right. because you're trying to be a nice guy right because you don't want to Unless it was something really hot and the other person was turned on by the fact that you were just writing it, right? But even then, because then what would happen was if you didn't write it, write about it right away, somebody would say, well, well what happened? Why didn't you write about right. it right away? So I would pretty much make a rule that I wouldn't write about anything right away or yeah. I wouldn't post anything right away. Mm-hmm. That's smart. You're a smarter man than me. <laughs> um, but so you, you were meeting people through your erotica. I would think... For myself, if I was in that position, that um, I'm setting myself a pretty hard, a pretty high bar there, right? If they're expecting something that's at a certain level, right? Then you have to come, you know, you have to. Yeah, come. well, luckily, I'm really, really good in bed. Oh well, there you go. So, um, see, that's the difference. Another difference between you and I. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think more the other way. It started. I realized I started writing. To attract people, right? And I have a, I have a background in, in you know studying literature and stuff, mm-hmm. and I realize sort of the the that that's not a great way to write. But actually, I like writing that way, and I think erotica works that way, mm-hmm. unlike some other forms, you know, some other genres. So I think I do my best writing when I'm trying to seduce an audience. It's kind of interesting for me to look at my stories in that I'm usually writing. I'm going to say the character Jack because, mm-hmm. like, I'm Jack, but Jack in the stories is, you know, a little cooler, a little, yeah. a little everything, a, uh-huh. little, a little more everything. Sure. And, um, but I'll, I will write from the first person, I'll write from the third person, but I'm still writing about the same person. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes I'll also write from the female perspective. So I guess I am writing from different perspectives of the same, the same thing through different um, lenses. But I, I think maybe it's also tone. You seem to be very versatile when it comes to... And maybe it's just the mood you're in at the time, right? Well, I think I... Um, in my non-erotic writing, I'm, I'm still in a phase where I'm, I'm very much trying to find my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a strong voice in some ways, but I'm trying to see where I want to go. So I set myself... A, and I'm also a, a completely obsessed with postmodernism mm-hmm. so I'm I'm constantly looking at the art of writing and I, I give myself a lot of exercises and a lot of different um, goals so I'm like I want to write this this way I want to write this this way I want to write a noir story a horror story right. this story and when I'm writing erotica I do the same thing I'm like how can this be more interesting if I write it from a different perspective because the old one is boring so let's talk I, I, I just remembered something that very specifically happened to me and I probably I should have emailed you and asked you for pointers um, I was emailing back and forth with this woman and uh, this was a couple of years ago and um, and she said she was really bored and she asked me to tell her a story right and I knew what she was asking I knew specifically she was asking for uh, you know, an erotic story with me about me and her without actually coming out and saying because we hadn't started dating yet. We weren't actually an item. We hadn't played or anything. Right. And I remember writing this story and I remember thinking, God, do I write what I want? Do I write what I think she wants? And how do I know what she wants? What if I write, you know, I was very conflicted. And I remember at, to this day, I'm like, I'm rolling my eyes at myself because it was very clear that I was really holding back and I was just, you know, it was. It turned out to be very lame. Thankfully, you know, later we moved in together. But still, I, I'm still rolling my eyes at myself. When you are writing in that, I'm sure you've been in that situation when you write for someone's one person, one one viewer. Right. How do you know what what the line is to cross? Or it's it's difficult, and it's difficult just like when you're when you're talking and negotiating and seducing. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You know, when or when you're talking dirty in bed, mm-hmm. somebody says, I really want you to talk dirty in bed. And you're like, all right, you're a dirty this and that. And you're a dirty this and that. And they're with you. And then you said, and why don't I spank you like, you're, like your uncle did? And they will say, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. Right. Um, 
Yeah, you know, it's the same thing when you're writing. So I, I try to, <laughs> I try to meander in 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 vagaries when I can. I try to be really graphic in specific ways that I know are safe, and then sort of put things out that people can take different ways. Oh. Because I was going to say, the difference when, when you're talking to someone, you can get instant feedback from what right. you're saying. So you can say, and then I'm going to grab your, and you can see if they're going to go, yes, or they're going to go, okay, where's he going with this? Right. You can tell right away, but, if you, but with a story, everything's there, right? So you leave, some, you, you leave some stuff suggestive is what you're saying. Right. I also don't particularly write things for one person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not good at that, and what you're saying is, is... What you're saying is the main reason I like writing for a lot of people. Yeah. What happens when some... I mean, I'm, I'm, I imagine you get fan mail. Maybe you just email. Right. From people, and, you know, what's the most common question? Is it... Is it is, did this really happen? Or is it... Who is this for? Or... I mean, I get a lot of, uh, you know... I just I like your story. I recently when I was posting a lot, I got a lot of very sort of flirty I really like your stories, they get me off. Here's a picture of my tits. Um which is is great. Yeah. Sure. And um I got I mean I got a lot of that. Yeah. I have a whole folder of them. Wow. Um recently I've gotten ones that have really sort of shook me up in that it's like uh I love your stories. I quit my job. And decided to get a PhD because of them. Oh my god. Or like, I decided to stop doing this and start writing erotica. That puts a lot of pressure on you, doesn't it? Is a, it does too, and also I'm like... It's you know, flattering, of course. I th- it is very flattering, but at the same time, I'm like, I have a pretty good view of the internet. Yeah. And I know that my site is, is very small, uh-huh. and, and not that great. I mean, I like it, I think it's good. I don't think it, it's something that you should change your life for. Yeah. The people who are sending you naked photos or partially nude or whatever right. photos, did you ever find that it was a specific type of story that people would re- like? It was only the BDSM ones or only the specific type? Um, yes. It is the ones where I was the most emotionally vulnerable. Oh, wow. Uh, it's the ones where the characters were the most, um, I'm not going to say real, mm-hmm. but uh, intense. It's, it's sort of the most intense stories. Whereas I'll often write stories that I really like and no one will like them. Because I, I craft them and I really try to, I'm, I'm, I'm using my skills, I feel like. And they'll get sort of mediocre things. The ones where I am sort of drunk and... Um, and and very much in in the moment that I'm writing about when I write like that, or when I write something that's that's pretty edgy, uh-huh. that's the one that will always. So get it's the most there. honest ones, right? Or ones you don't think as much about, right? Or the most edgy. Yeah. I, you know, I I gave a talk at a kink for all yeah. about uh, anonymity and writing online, and I I I kept saying people online write really edgy things because it will immediately get feedback. Mm-hmm. So any story I have that's, that crosses some lines will get the most feedback. Not, not just the ones that are the most uh, real or the most you know, emotional. Is it something that you know it when you're doing it? Okay, this is that type of story? You're, you're in the moment? Or, or are you always surprised at which ones? Sometimes I, I am. Yeah. Sometimes I, in the beginning, I was posting a lot of stuff that I'd already written Mm because I had a nice backlog. And those, I I kind of, I'd had these stories for a while and I said, this one's going to be, you know, a hot button. Right. And that was usually right. Now I'm I'm pretty much posting things right after I finish them and so it is a little more of a surprise. Erotica is is a very unique form of adult content as opposed to all the other kinds that people can get now, right? Um, When people think of porn or when people think of you know the internet and the type of adult content. They always they always think hardcore porn. They think videos. Maybe they'll think audio, but very rarely. But most people usually don't associate. You know, as far as just your your porn consumer, they don't say, "Oh, he also downloads erotica or something like that." Right. Um, is that because erotica is more highbrow and it's not le- it's not looked down upon as much? 
I think it has a very different audience. Mm-hmm. And um, I think now so, the the audience for erotica is very niche but growing larger. I think another great thing to bring back what we were saying before and tie it into this is that so you don't write well but you want to write a dirty story. A lot of people will take Harry Potter or Star Trek and say, all right, I don't have to come up with characters. I don't have to come up with a whole world. I have all this stuff. I could just say two names and say that they're you know, having sex, and you'll immediately bring a whole bunch of stuff to the table. So something like fan fiction is a way that, like, a lot of people start writing erotica, and a reason why a lot of people start reading it. So that's a, that's a, and a lot of younger women read, you know, fan fiction slash, and a lot of women read erotica, you know, in print form and, and online. I'm kind of stuck on this Harry Potter erotica how many times does Harry Potter erotica end with the phrase, 10 points Gryffindor? <laughs> Not enough. Not enough, okay. I remember, because that, that was my first jump into porn, online porn, I should say, was Usenet. And, you know, reading, reading the different... I, I mean, think we're the only people who know what Usenet is. You know, Usenet was this, basically, anything you could possibly imagine was there. And I remember when I found the codes, you know, the different... The different search terms, if you did a capital F with a lowercase m, that means a dominant female, right. submissive male. And, you know, that was when I first started reading, like, wow, these are some, you know, these are some pretty awesome stories. Um, and I think I'm probably better off having f- discovered my kink. I mean, I always knew I was submissive. I knew that I had this thing. But as far as knowing that I wasn't alone, uh, erotic was probably the best way for me to find out rather than watching you know if i had gone searching for video the first thing i could have seen was maybe some piercing that would have scared the crap out of me and never would have looked again but erotica kind of allowed me to like you said paint my own story in the background you know in between the words oh definitely and so it wasn't as scary right um i'm a child of usenet as well and that's where i mean on uh, alt.sex.stories.moderated yeah. is where I posted my first thing that I hope no one will ever, ever find. <laughs> and before, there was a long period, I've been kinky for a while now, mm-hmm. but there was a long period of time where I read about these things and it never occurred to me to do any of them, Yeah, even though they turned me on. It, it didn't occur to you because it just seemed so outlandish? or No, it just... I'm not sure why it never occurred to me. Um, I probably, now, now that I think about it, dated people who would have been into it. Um, it just never really occurred to me that that's something I would do as opposed to read about. I think I know what you mean. It's, uh, also, it maybe it doesn't really, especially if your environment is such that it's you don't know anyone else who does it, and it's just only isolated online... You you really don't think it's even an option, maybe, right? Right. I th- I thought that's something that you play with in your mind. Yeah. Um, and someone has done that at some point, but probably they were they were crazy in the head. Yeah. No, I totally I totally feel the same way. That's exactly how I used to feel about it, right? Um, so when did you decide, or when did you realize that it's not just people who are crazy in the head, and you can do this as well? Um, probably, you know, in the last few years, I've really realized that I, I guess it was five years ago now that I, I, I ended this big relationship and I was living out West and I moved back to New York mm-hmm. and in a very short time, a lot of things in my life changed and I started, uh, I went on this dating tear that was just, like really, I was going on like three or four dates a week mm-hmm. and I was meeting a lot of people, figuring out a lot of things very quickly, and I started look. I started the blog, and from the blog, I met a whole bunch of bloggers, mm-hmm. and they were organized in things like they went to a pleasure salon, which I think is the first time I met you. Yeah, was yeah. At a pleasure salon, and they these were kinky people. These were people who you know were doing kinky things for many years, and. Uh, I, a lot of them read my stuff and and said, "Well, obviously you're you're a kinky person too." And I said, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> well, 
Uh, but you were. You just weren't as experienced as they might right. have been, right? And and I I'd, I'd done things, you know. I, I I think they were there were certain things that I didn't even really consider particularly kinky, just because there there's a there's a big blur between things that are actually you know according to Hoyle kinky, yeah, and the things that everyone does. They just don't have names for it. Like you you spank somebody or you do this or you do that, and and that's fine. That's that's not. That's not kinky. That's not scary. But then I started really looking into it. And I heard about uh, the Columbia group's uh, Conversio Virium. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was the summer, so they weren't meeting. And I went to one of their munches and stood outside of the Comfort Diner, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And I, I was shaking wondering what these people are going to be like. And I went in, and they were normal. Well, we, we should say, you've talked about this on your podcast. I know. I'm telling and, the same exact story. No, that's story. quite all right. <laughs> because I'm, that's why I'm smiling, because I remember listening to you talk about it, and I remember thinking, that's exactly the same situation I was in, right? Mm-hmm. And one other thing, and I don't, I don't remember if you really specifically mentioned this on your episode as well. If you, if you did, you, you didn't come out and say it this blatantly, but I was very relieved to know that most of the people who were at Munches were either as nerdy or a little bit nerdier than I was, right? Yeah. So that, you know, if someone did make a certain reference, a nerdy reference, I'd get it. And it, for some reason, making a, a nerd reference or a geek reference or something seems to really dissipate a lot of stress, right? It does. Because, you know, if, if you can say... Yeah, I haven't done that since I had a Pentium 3, you know, whatever. <laughs> then they're like, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. But I, there's some sort of, there's something about common geek references that seem to relax people. Right. And it's also that I have things in common with these people, not just that I'm looking, you know, for somebody to spank or yeah. something. Um, that we're all humans here. I'm not, I'm not now going to do something because I think. I think this might have been a fear in my head that I was going to go start doing kinky things and the reward would be I would be able to do kinky things but the con would be that I would somehow become creepier yeah. or, or less normal. Yeah. Um, like I was going to go to this meeting and, and some fun things might happen but maybe I was doing something that wasn't really that good to do. You mean in like inherently... As a person, you mean? Yeah. Right. That that it would make you a bad person, sort of. Suppose. Not, you know, well, I'm not Not gonna, bad, but I mean... Not bad, but sort of uh, like deviant in, yeah. in, a, in a non-desirable way. Yeah. Well, I always find it fascinating how people's journeys, especially the first couple of years, are very different from what they imagined or uh, maybe it's exactly how they imagined, but from you, the first month you went to, to, you know, let's say about the first year... Um, was it a matter of just like, getting as much experience as you could and just playing with as many people or just learning? What, how, what was it like your first year in the, in the scene? Yeah, it was totally... I was the greedy monster who just wanted to play with everything, wanted to try everything. Uh-huh. Um, I was a top then. I, you know, I'm, I'm much switchier now, but I was a top then. I had a very... I had a type... You know, I wanted, I was in my early 30s, I wanted someone in their early 20s, mm-hmm. and we were going to do specific things. Mm-hmm. There were lots of people who wanted to do that with me, and I did a lot. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I didn't expect, and I'm, I guess it was sort of odd that I didn't expect this, I didn't expect to go to, like, dungeons and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't expect the more cliche part of kink. I, I was very hesitant and very biased against it. Is it just because it, it is so contrived in your mind? Is that what it is? Or it doesn't seem natural? Yeah, and it's not It's not my aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like leather. I don't really like the sort of... I was a goth when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but then I stopped being goth. Yeah. And there's a lot of sort of... Uh, Pagany kind of there, there are a lot of tropes that are going on and when I'm in those situations they're all I can see yeah and they seem very 
silly to me, which is very dismissive of a lot of very amazing people. No, no, that's. I don't think you know there aren't many tropes out there, and I, I think the main thing there's a lot of people out there because I'm the same way as you, and in, in that, um, you know, I, I've gone to some dungeon, you know, some private parties where they had a dungeon in their basement, and literally there's like a foosball table, and then there's the. And then there's this very contrived. It's clear that they tried to make it look as gritty and dungeony as possible, and is right next to like their family album or something like that, right? Right. That and that definitely feels, you know, contrived and stuff like that. But you know, the reason I keep saying is that there are some people that they need certain things to get themselves in a certain mindset. I guess I just don't need that. You know, I don't need a certain. Or, or is it for you? You're more of a. You like the sort of the disciplinarian in the home type of thing. Or is it just no setting at all? You just don't like... I have a hard time identifying with a lot of people in the scene because I play differently than a lot of people that I, that I know. I'm not, I'm, not into, I'm not submissive, and I'm not particularly dominant either. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a very physical player. I like, I like sensations, mm-hmm. and I like mind games and stuff like that, but ordering people around is not at all interesting to me. And... So, anywhere can be a you know a dungeon. Anywhere can be an interesting place to play. I I'm looking for things that are actually physically more useful to play in. Right. Um, but in the other on the other side, there are parts of all of that that I thought were very contrived that now I like a lot, like rope. Mm-hmm. Like when I, you know, I think I think in very Spartan way in sort of. Uh, Utilitarian ways where I'm like I want to tie somebody to a bed the easiest way to do that is to go get some straps and velcro and and this and that and then we could put you on the bed and you're not going to move and there you go right now my goal has been achieved yes yes exactly yeah (laughs) but you know I started using rope and and I got very into like very sort of traditional Japanese rope and that shocked me so are there any other things that that when you started out you thought one way and then Afterwards, you kind of changed your mind on like rope, or or is rope the big one? Rope's the big. I mean, I I didn't think I'd per- particularly be into a lot of implements that I have recently started. Like, like I have now four whips. Mm-hmm. A whip was Indiana Jones to me. Yeah, I never thought of um, you know using one or having one used on me, and also. I never thought I'd. I never thought I'd bought them. Uh, really, never even considered it. Not, not like I thought about it in a negative way, but like we were saying before, it never really crossed my mind as an option. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, uh, was it just a specific scene that came up, or a specific scenario that popped in your head when you thought, oh, "Okay, I could bottom to that," or how did that come about? I think I got it in my head when I, I, I met some strong, um, submissive men mm-hmm. that I really felt like I understood. You, you're, I think you're certainly one of them that got got me well, yeah, got me geez. thinking about it. Well, got me thinking about it in a certain way. So I'm like, all right, well, and I also don't like binaries at all. Yeah. So from the beginning, I was like, well, yeah, I top people, but. I'm sure I would bottom if if the circumstances came. Right. Yeah, and then somebody you've interviewed, uh, who's a good friend of mine, um, I met her and I thought if I were to bottom, I would bottom to her because she's very scary. Yeah, and <laughs> that's not that's not how most people say. Hmm, I'd like to do this because it's very intimidating and scary. Right. Well, she's she was the first person I'd met who I had. I could imagine doing that. Yeah. There were a couple of others. There were a couple of others. But um, then when I got the chance to, with that person, um, yeah, I, I, I took to it in, yeah. in certain ways. This episode is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Enter EFCAST and receive 20% off your order. One other thing I was curious about, because you mentioned as a top, you are not, you're not very bossy. Right. And you're not, you know, you're a very specific kind. And I know several guys who are tops who are like that. You know, they don't think, they don't try to conform to some idea of what a dom is, right? Right. Um, 
and it, it's really interesting to hear about their experiences with submissive women because I hear from some of them that it makes it much easier because if, if, if especially if it's a submissive woman who's never or person who's never really done it before they seem to be more relaxed but at the same time the more experienced ones seem to have a very specific kind of guy in mind because you know they almost need to have that sort of asshole asshole dominant you know what I'm saying yeah I mean I'm not I'm not gonna call I'm not gonna call him an asshole but I, I, I understand what you mean. And I, I see the validity of, of different styles. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've watched them and I understand them. Um, I actually have less respect for the way I play in, really? in some ways. Because I, I look at it as a very... It's a very physical way of playing. If I, like, I'm playing with somebody and I want them to do something, I will make them do it. Yeah. To me, ask, telling them to do it or having them do it out of respect for me... Looking at it, sitting with you now, I'm like, that's very beautiful. You're going to do this for me because you respect me. Um, in in a scene, that that seems like a waste of time. Like, <laughs> 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 you, you want to get you want to get to the meat and potatoes. You don't want to, you know, right? Right. That's all salad to you, right? Right. Well, you, I would much rather be respected for my writing or sure. something else. Sure. That's that's really that's an interesting way to think about it because I mean. I remember specifically having a conversation with several uh, dominant guy friends, and um, it's really interesting because there's like there's three 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 other guys who they're they're dominants, and and I sometimes we get together for beer, right? And it's always really interesting to get their perspective on things, and sometimes they'll ask me questions specifically trying to get the submissive perspective on things, right? Um, but they said the hardest thing for them is knowing how to approach someone. Uh, initially, when it, when they're approaching a, a submissive, uh, in their case, it's all they're approaching approaching submissive females. For them, they have to say to themselves, "Okay," and this is if they just want to play. They're not looking for a relationship; they just want to play. They have to say to themselves, "Okay, do I come across as very stern and very strict, or do I come across as just, hey, listen, hey, how are you? I'm very interested. You know, to come across as themselves, right?" And they said it's it's always a crapshoot. For them, it, it could be they could send a, you know a very nice email to someone, and she could be could totally uninterested because she needs to have that stern, you know, you will come, you will meet me for coffee here, you know, or whatever. Um, did you find the same thing to be true, or did you just not gravitate to those people normally? I didn't. Gra- I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I've had I have I have many dominant friends too, and they I've had the same conversations with them, and I tend to look. A, I'm lucky because I I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of kinky people. So whenever I am, and I'm somewhat known also, so people know what what I'm looking for. Usually. Yeah. But I tend to look at finding play partners very much in the same exact way as I would looking for a date. Yeah. Or, you know, l- looking to pick somebody up or looking for a friend mm-hmm. to hang out with. So also. If I went in a in a bossy manner like that, I would it would be false advertising because I'm not going to be that way, you know. Whenever we get down to what we're getting down to, so you, do you consider yourself poly? Or oh, I'm very very poly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I this is this is a new thing for me. I mean, it's probably in the last year that I've really um, seen that as something that's been probably more dramatic for me than than being kinky as something that I didn't realize I was and once I started being it 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 made a lot of sense how how did you wow this, this has so many follow up questions first off how did you find out that you were polyamorous well the thing about being kinky two two different ways first when i was dating a lot of different people i was a lot happier mm-hmm. And um, then when I settled down and when I came out of that, I sort of gotten into a couple of relationships where I was very happy. You know, I'm I'm happy in a relationship, too, in a monogamous relationship. But when I started dating kinky people, it's a very different thing because I I don't know if if you're the same way, but I'm dating when I I would be dating someone, but I would still go to parties. Mm -hmm. So I would still play with other people and that play you know, would almost always have at least some element of, of sexuality in it. Mm-hmm. So that was already 
being poly in, in a lot of ways. Right. And the negotiation and the the sort of checking in with my partner. Um, by the way, I, I did it horribly a, a few times. You know, I, I did not understand what I was doing and I was trying to balance a lot of things very poorly. But seeing it, I, I already saw that this is this is how I'm going to be. I, I should say, too, that I've found that there's a lot of people who say they're polyamorous and then they have, there are many different definitions of what polyamorous is, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I think polyamorous, I think, you know, multiple loves, right? You know, uh, multiple, could say primary partners or, or whatever. Um, but you're right. There, there are different levels of that, too, because some people could be polyamorous and they just are serious with one person, but they still play around with a bunch of other people, right? Right. Um, but that's how you kind of see yourself is you... You find yourself knowing that you could have the capacity to love multiple people, uh, but at the same time, you will play with people casually as well. And right. um, when it hit you that wow, this is what it's that maybe you were you were you were always that way from the beginning. You just weren't identifying it. Or... I don't know. I I don't know because I I'm very into being honest, mm-hmm. and so I'd been in relationships where uh, where I'd want to I'd want to see someone else. And I would end relationships. You know, I would I would bring it up, and you know, I of course things get mixed up, things get you know messed up, and sometimes that didn't work at all. Yeah, I'm not. I don't consider myself polyamorous. Right. I mean, we'll go to play parties, and sometimes Saad will play with someone else. That's probably about the extent of it, right? And but I really wish I was polyamorous uh, because I know for me, I'm just I I could never get over the jealousy thing, right? Right. For me, I mean, I just maybe it's. Maybe I'm not polyamorous because I'm too insecure in myself or something like that. I'm not sure. But everyone I know who's polyamorous, it seems like for, there's, there's a small part of me that thinks like they're a little more involved than I am. You know? It's true. I'm, I, I became more involved. No. I, I don't know what it is. I have to say, though, being poly is, is tiring. Yeah. It's um, exciting. I think in a lot of ways it has made me feel more like an artist yeah it's you know it's it's kind of corny to think but i i feel like i'm a lot more free yeah and a lot more um i'm sort of living how i i feel like i should have been living for a while yeah that's great though yeah when did you realize that you were no you said queer because i've i've had friends who are heterosexual say queer you think i don't know you know Labels are, and to say I'm queer is a is a huge discourtesy right. to, to queer people, because why would they want me? You know, no, I'm just open. Wouldn't be a member of a group that would have you as a member. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm open. I'm attracted to different people. Sure, and um, um, you know, guys make me nervous. Uh, being attracted to guys makes me very nervous. By the way, I've had the exact same thought of like, why can't, why couldn't I be bisexual? Right, you know. George Carlin, he had a bit about being bisexual. He thought, why don't you just walk around with the yellow pages all day long? Right. You know, that's... But no, there have been plenty of times, because I've had friends of mine who are gay, who go to the gay BDSM clubs, and they go to the gay, you know, play parties, and they go, oh, it was crazy. It was all this amazing stuff. And I heard about the gay play parties before I went to the straight play parties. And so... I just thought they were all the same, right? right. And I was hearing all these stories about stuff going on, and I thought, I'm going to go... When I finally got invited to my first play party, I thought, this is going to be us. No, it was like Charlie Brown. Everyone's standing in the corner, you know, you're just waiting for the little red-haired girl to come talk to me, you know? Right. Um, so I totally understand the appeal. I've never been to a gay well, know, then, a play party. I mean, I, my attraction is... Mostly theoretical, yeah. but just being open to it is, you know, is a big step. That's awesome, though, right? Right. But I think one of my goals, because I I think about play parties a lot, because I go I go to not as many as I used to, but as time come goes by, you really become aware of what you like and don't like. And I think my I think my goal is to make make a uh, not a straight party, but a you know an open party to any you know preference. Yeah. Much more like a gay pink party. <laughs> right, right. Uh, let's talk about the podcast. Okay. I'm always curious to know what made you deci- what makes people decide, okay, I'm going to start a podcast about sex. 
like I said, I've been into blogging since it started. I've been into podcasting since, you know, um, Adam Curry. Mm-hmm. You know? And I have been fascinated by the medium, and I've wanted to ha- to do one. And I've kind of started and stopped. I've bought URLs. I've yeah. bought equipment. I've, you know, made uh, attempts. And finally, I kind of, right place, right time, found somebody who has, you know, the right kind of... It's not even talent... Not to say she's not talented, she mm-hmm. is. It's work ethic. Yeah. Somebody who will show up is yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And your podcast is very unique in that you usually you go and you, you cover a topic. Right. You start, right? And that's got to be extremely difficult to, to pick something because there's all this stuff you could possibly talk about. Is it just throw, throw a dart and yeah. choose whatever sticks? or You know, we, we look around for different stuff. We... We're both poly and we're both kinky. And um, we didn't want to have a podcast about kink. Yeah. We wanted to have a podcast that talked about kink, but also talked about other things. Mm-hmm. So we all always sort of try to, you know, limit ourselves, try to temper whatever we're talking about by explaining things that can sometimes be simple and, you know, just uh, topics. We just see what's going on. We see links that we found interesting yeah when i was listening i i remember thinking okay this sounds like a conversation some of my friends would have over beers if there was one person who was making sure that they stayed you know conversationally in a row right exactly what we do this is you know jill is a person i've known for a long time and we have we always have really interesting conversations so basically picture you and i having a conversation only there's a bullet pointed list that we look back at every once in a while and say right exactly it's it's the organizing it's the organizing that i could never do for a podcast for myself just because oh the organizing we do is a bulleted list right that's about it but at the same time that's what i like about it i like the fact that it's not like the the podcasts that talk about kink or tech for that matter or or whatever the subject where they are very the only one I like is stuff you should know. I don't know if you've ever heard that one or howstuffworks.com's yeah. podcast. They go through the list and they're very kind of structured. They really don't deviate from that. That's really the only one of those I can really take. Mm-hmm. I really need to have like conversation. And you guys are definitely having that, right? But when you're picking a topic, do you just say, you know, this is something that happened to me recently? You go and you you add it to the list. The thing is, if I I did a podcast on my own, Uh it would sound like what you're, like, how things work. It would be like me reading a lot of stuff that I wrote on my own. Yeah. If Jill had a podcast, she would begin talking about salt and end talking about um, earthquakes on the moon. Right. She just flies into very yeah. weird places. So um, we're both good for each other. Yeah, yeah. That's and, a... uh, you know, we found a good medium. So how did, how, did, how did the conversation between the two of you come up? Like, hey, let's do this together. I was whining about doing a podcast. Uh-huh. And she said, I'll do a podcast with you. <laughs> so it was really a very long road. Yeah. To, right. Yeah, I I corresponded with her for for years, begging her to do this. Right. No, it was you know, I said if we do this, you have to you have to be willing to come to my house a lot and 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 do this and really give me some time. I I assume the feedback's been pretty good. Um, virtually no feedback at all. I I get the same things, but I assume everyone else does. No, nothing. I, I get maybe. I get people. Who tell me they like it? Right, and I get like some some DMs on Twitter right. saying, I, "I said, please, you know, put this on in a place where other people can know." That. Right. Well, that's and, and I have to say, you know, I always thought, is it me or something? Like that? But I would I would remember when I was in radio that the you know majority of people they don't they think everybody else is calling in. Right. That's why they don't call in, right? Because they, oh, I don't want to be another person bothering you. Know, that. So speaking of Twitter, questions for Jack, as a matter of fact. Who are your role models, and what did you learn from them? Who are my role models? Oof, man. Um, Anais Nin. I'm sorry? Um, <laughs> she's a, a American-Cuban-French writer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who's okay. um, 
basically she's well known for publishing all of her diaries wow. and writing one of the most important erotica books, Delta Venus. I'll have to definitely. I'll, I'll have to read this. Um, Polly role model had two husbands, one on each coast. Wow. Lover of many a writer and psychoanalyst. Uh, lover of Henry Miller, another you know hero. Mm-hmm. Um, other heroes, I don't know. Superman. Batman. Batman. Not Superman. So at you, all. I had this conversation recently. Who would win between the two? Um, Batman can beat anyone. Batman plus time can destroy anything. Well, also, Batman had kryptonite on him almost all the time. That's what I love, and that's why he's my hero. Because he saw this wonderful man fly down and save the world, and he said, just in case, I'm going to find a way to stop that son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Any play activities that you were really interested in, but when you finally did it, it wasn't that exciting? You thought beforehand, man, this is going to be awesome when X, Y, and Z happens, and then you're like, yeah, you know, it's not my thing. I think in general, I really thought that I would do a lot of role play that was elaborate, Mm -hmm. and not. I think it never worked out the way I wanted it to or liked it, or it was never as enjoyable as, you know, just more vaguely playing a, a, a dynamic than being like, I am the professor, and you are my student in English class, and you are coming to do this, and, you know, you try to remember all these things, and it, it, it all falls apart. Yeah. Or you get in a room, and you just start laughing, and yeah. it doesn't work. So, role play in general. I found that if I play with... Because there are a lot of actors in the scene. Yeah. If I play with someone with a real background in acting... um. You you can it's so natural for them it's easier to role play yeah. with them yeah that could be that could be uh, the other I can't remember what the other role play thing was but I remember the whole time thinking this is ridiculous yeah because I was thinking like I was I was actually saying what's my motivation I, 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 if I was a mailman <laughs> I wouldn't I'd be I'd have all these other letters to deliver why would I have sex with you you know I could get fired for this you know um, some other general questions these are things that people have sent on Formspring. Okay. Uh, if you have time, you have time. Sure. All right. Does play allow you to ask, uh, express a part of yourself that you wouldn't normally expose? Is there <laughs> either that's a big yes or a big no? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I have a job where I have to be very social, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in play, I'm I, I'm a sadist. Mm-hmm. I'm a masochist. I'm a lot of things. I'm you know. Uh, you know, I do age play. I do lots of things that are far from my normal demeanor. Yeah. And uh, so, yes. Yeah. Um, as a switch, is there anything... Or you kind of identify more switchy lately? Is that what you've said? Yeah. Uh, have you noticed specific things that make you... Other than people, obviously. Is there maybe specific things that can trigger you one way or the other? Is there... Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it's... My switchiness is very chemical. It's very... The minute I meet someone, usually, unless something dramatically changes, I will either not be attracted in a power sort of dynamic with them, I will feel toppy to them or bottomy to them. And there's a lot of reasons why. I think it's just the way people hold themselves. I think I also react to the way people see themselves if they're toppy and they're confident about it i will either respect that in an even way or or feel you know attracted to that as a bottom do you ever maybe walk into a situation think feeling you're more of a top and then seconds later you're or minutes later you're exact opposite well i think i mean with my with my primary partner Mm -hmm. we are very switchy we we fight for control. That's yeah. our that's our main thing that we do. Right. So I usually end up on top. I mean, in the end, but yeah. it's a very back and forth sort of thing. So I see that happening with people, but I don't think in the middle of a scene or you know, I don't think knowing someone for a while they're gonna totally switch places. Mm-hmm. No, but I just meant like if you go to a party. And you're feeling toppy or something like that, and something happens, and does that happen often, or...? It would be 
if I was playing with a person, I right. I do get. I would say I don't go out feeling bottomy very often. Right. I usually, and even when I bottom, I'm not particularly submissive. It's I'm bottoming from a very. Um, I think of it as a tough place. Yeah. Like, I want to show someone what I can do, and I want to show someone how much I can take. Yeah. Um, and it's not... It's still a sort of toppy position to be in. No, I, 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 I'm very similar in mine. It's, it's actually a combination of both. It's like if there's pain involved, then it's very much a, I can take this for her. You know, I can, I can endure this for her, you know. Right. Uh, it's very much the manly thing. It's not the, you know, being the worm or something like that. Right. You know, what you really hear stereotypes. So I can I can totally identify with that. So, well, here's two manly bottoms. All right. Thank you so much for uh, sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I've I've been a, a listener for a long time. Well, hopefully you'll be willing to come back and do it again. Thank you to Jack for sitting down for another episode. Uh, and again, his uh, his podcast, uh, if you do a search for Techuality, the link's on the Mastercast website as well, and his uh, erotica blog, Writing Dirty. And thanks to Eden Fantasies for sponsoring this episode. I was also looking through the website. They've got uh, 25% off not just uh, rechargeable toys, but also metal and glass are 25% off, and eco-friendly wooden toys. But you have to cut down a tree to... Oh, because it's... I got it. Because it's, you know, it's biodegradable. There you go. Um, they, they have been sanded down. It's not like they've got just, you know, shove a two-by-four up your... No, it's, it's sanded down. They're, they're in the shape of a, of a sex toy. They're, they're good. Thank you for downloading. And thanks for recommending these uh, episodes to your friends. It really, it really helps spread the word. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hi, Dan. We wanted to take a moment and let everyone know that our new book, Living MS, a book for masters, slaves, and their relationships, has been released. Living MS is a book based on our experience as a couple who has been living together as master and slave for well over a decade. It covers a broad range of topics, such as challenges as living as an MS couple, as well as building your own MS dynamic. Author and educator Dr. Robert Rubel says, This is one of the major books on the topic and should be on everyone's must-read list. Whether you are only thinking of starting to form a master-slave relationship or have been in one for years. Living MS by Dan and Dawn Williams is now available in print and digital format from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all other major book distributors. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn.